What's up guys, it's Arav, and this is Arsh, and we are finally back together for the Two Brothers and Their Sports podcast. It's been, I think, close to a month since we last recorded together. Yeah, it's it's so great to finally be back, both of us here. And our topics this week are, we're first going to talk about Serena Williams, her retirement. It was a little bit vague, but we're going to talk about the impact of her retiring and her career. We're also going to talk about the captain, Derek Jeter's documentary on ESPN, ESPN+. Plus. And really, how similar that is to The Last Dance and The arena, Man in the Arena from Tom Brady. And then finally, we're going to talk about the NFL preseason. Some highlights, what the NFL preseason really is about for guys trying to fight for that 53rd roster spot. And a little bit about the Browns, Deshaun Watson and Kareem Hunt. Yeah, so let's start off with Serena Williams. So she retired a couple days ago. Uh, she It was pretty vague, like you said, but she yeah. announced uh, her retirement coming up. And she's really counting the days to her retirement. And, you know, you saw the the movie with Will Smith about Serena Williams. Yeah, King Richard. King Richard. King Richard about them growing up and their upbringing. And that really... Speaking of which, that was an amazing movie. That was a really, really good portrayal. It was pretty great. And it, it won an Oscar. And it just showed... And Will Smith won the Academy Award, too. Yeah, so it just put a lot of light on how they grew up and really how, how rough... And also how dri- driven they were to get to where they wanted to be in tennis. And, you know, after seeing what has happened, if you look back at the career of Serena Williams and even Venus Williams, it's just been amazing to see how both of them have blossomed into the best, one of the best, if not the best, tennis players of all time. So um, I'm, I'm sad to see Serena go. She was a groundbreaker for tennis. She was a lot of people's role models, but you know her her career was one of the best in tennis history, and after, it's it's just turning a new page in the book, going to a new chapter now to see what's after retirement, what's in store for Serena. Exactly, and you you said it very well, very clearly as well. But I want to Serena Williams just focus on some of the accolades she had in her career. So she had twenty three which is the most in the open era, 23 Grand Slam singles titles. The most ever is 24, so she's one away. I don't really know if she's going to get that last one. But even her transition from from having having a kid to coming back and being in peak form for tennis, that's a crazy transition that not many players have made, not many women have made in their respective sports. So that's that's another thing that's very underappreciated from Serena Williams. Also, 14 major doubles titles with her, obviously with her with her sister, Venus Williams. Both of them very dominant. I would say both of them, when Venus was in her prime, number one player, number one tennis player in the world, easily. Serena, in her prime, best player, best tennis player ever. She's She's one of the most dominant athletes ever. I mean, I have her on my Mount Rushmore. She's up there with, like, not the Mount Rushmore, but in dominant careers in terms of prime. But she's up there with Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, Muhammad Ali, all those guys. She's, I could argue, she's even more dominant than those guys were in their prime. And it's just really, really, di- not disappointing, but... It's going to be a huge difference for tennis to see her gone because she, we, from from as long as both of us have lived, we've seen her and Venus Williams play on the tennis court, and it's she announced her retirement, um, and it's going to obviously she's she just actually 
just lost to Belinda Bensick in the uh, National Bank U.S. Open. It was a woman's single, so unfortunately she didn't make it um, in far in that. In this, that was in the second round she lost in Toronto. But that it seems like that that's going to be her last match. Again, there's a little bit of uncertainty of when she will actually retire. We don't know if it's going to be after this tournament or if she's going to keep going play for a couple more weeks or months. We I, we really don't know. It seems like it's going to be after this like in the in the next few weeks so we wish her the best after retirement especially she just had a child so i don't know if that's the cause of her retiring or not but it's going to be very sad to see one of the most dominant athletes ever in the whole world in the history of sports retire that's just going to be really really unfortunate but i i i loved watching her play and her dominance was unprecedented and now moving to someone else who was also very dominant the captain Derek Jeter, that's his documentary, The Captain. And it's it's really, it's very similar, I think. It's not similar to The Last Dance, but I think it's very similar to The Man in the Arena by Tom Brady. Because if you watch some of the documentary, you see that it's more about Derek Jeter. And it's not about one specific guy like, like I mean, Michael Jordan, obviously. The Last Dance was very focused on Michael Jordan. And a lot of the guys there were talking about Michael Jordan and the impact he had on those Bulls team and the final year of that Bulls team. This is more like Man in the Arena, where it's like Tom Brady, and it's all about his career and his seasons and his performance. So I would, I think it's very similar to that. As a huge Yankees fan, you can see there's two Yankees right there. You can't see the second one, but there's also Yankees jersey back here. Huge Yankees fans. So seeing that documentary, having one of someone that I love growing up, seeing him have a documentary and seeing like really how he impacted those Yankees teams, his worth, eth- his Kobe-like work ethic. Seeing all that really brought a lot of joy to me and made me shed a few tears, too, because I miss Derek Jeter so much in, in the pinstripes. Yeah, I actually kind of disagree with you. I think it's actually more like the uh, the last dance in the part that, you know, it's partly about Jeter, but a lot of it is about the team's success and really just everything was working out between all his teammates all his friendships, but also just how other guys were doing on the team. But I think I think this this it and the captain is airing on ESPN as well as ESPN Plus, which is a huge upgrade from the Man in the Arena, which is only ESPN Plus. It just makes it a lot more accessible to so many more people, just like the last that's dance. That's very true. So that's something that I really appreciate for the captain and. Uh, the documentary, no one's going to touch The Last Dance. When, winning time didn't. The man in the arena didn't. And neither did the captain. But it's very close. And it's the closest out of those three. Because it's the closest out of those three. To, I don't think so. To touching The Last Dance. The reason that I say it was the closest is because the way that they went through the years just like The Last Dance. You know, The Man in the Arena, each episode was focused on one of the Super Bowl runs. That, that is not really the same for the captain. And each one of the captains, almost all of them, almost all the episodes have Wait. one World Series. Wait, really? I, I would say because the man in the arena is focused on the Super Bowl run, wouldn't you agree like the last dance, those documentary, that like those six seasons, each one was about a title run. That's very similar to the man in the no, arena. No, but it, it went through, the man in the arena is only about the Super Bowl runs. The the last dance went through all of the seasons, including when they lost and when he was playing baseball. Really, I think I think, and we obviously agree to disagree here. 
But I think that because there's six episodes, it's like the six six title runs, NBA championships that Jordan had. And I think the only the only thing that was the baseball or the difference like between like showing the seasons and the title run was that very short thirty minute part of episode three or four where they talked about Jordan leaving for baseball. So the the captain there's still a couple episodes that are yet to air but from what i've seen which is everything up to the point of the last couple episodes it's a great documentary it's about every it's it's it dives into the it dives into all of this important series and it dives into a lot of seasons where Derek Jeter and the Yankees did not make it to the world series or did not win at all didn't make to the playoffs it still goes into those things it goes into his injuries it goes into all that stuff it goes into his friendships with A-Rod and what he thought about A-Rod taking PEDs so that's where it differs a lot that's from true. the last dance but I still believe that it's great and I'm the biggest Derek Jeter fan I think that he is one of the greatest in I think he's the greatest shortstop in history and he's one of the greatest Yankees in history and, and I used to love him. He was my role model. I used to cherish being able to watch him, watch him on TV. And yeah. I was just totally just so sad when he announced his retirement. You know, I, I wrote a letter and sent it to him to try to convince him otherwise. That is true. I remember that, actually. Which, in retrospect, probably wasn't the smartest idea. But, and, you know... I mean, it shows that you're a huge fan. And, you I mean, as a kid, like, it's... it's I respect that. Like, I wish I had done that for, for Derek Jeter because that's just, that's awesome. Yeah, it was just, it was just a ton of stuff because Derek Jeter led the Yankees for almost 20 years. He was the leader. He was the reason they won the five World Series. And we saw in 2012, or maybe it was 2011, when, I think it was 2012, when Derek Jeter got injured, they were done. That yeah. nothing was going mm-hmm. to happen. And and you saw in the documentary how they talked about as soon as Derek was gone, they're not going to win. It's because of him that they're there. And it really also, the other thing about the captain, it's taken my respect for the Yankees front office from up here to down here because of the stuff that they did to the captain, Derek Jeter, because he was the leader. He got a, he got a pretty low contract and then proceeded to lead the league, the lead the league in home runs. The Brian Cashman, the guy, the GM before he offered the contract, said that he'd rather have a couple other shortstops. Just stuff that makes me sick. I know baseball's a business, but the Yankees front office. I mean, you got to treat your players better than that. But it, it's just great to see. And you know, I've read all of Derek's books. But it's great to actually see, all of them are from 1999, 2001. We actually get to see what he thinks about his entire career. And I can't wait to watch the remaining episodes and finish this out. And maybe see if he talks about his time with the Marlins or stuff like that. Life after baseball, just like it'll be for Serena Williams, life after tennis. That's true. And in retrospect, looking back at like that, you talk about the Yankees front office. Can you imagine if they sent off Derek Jeter? Can you imagine that? They almost did. He should have been. Close. I mean, I, I, I'll say he should have been a unanimous Hall of Famer only because that one voter had beef with Derek Jeter. He should have been unanimous, and he wasn't. But, I mean, imagine sending off a unanimous shortstop because you're not willing to pay him and you're you're trying to get someone else. The, I, the thing that annoys me about that, too, is, like, people still say that he's not unanimous. Derek well, Jeter was unanimous. He was the guy that voted... 
So basically, there's only one guy out of like the thousand that voted that said Derek Jeter should not go to the Hall of Fame, and it's because when Derek Jeter was the GM, was the owner of the Marlins, he fired that guy, and the guy did not was not happy with Derek Jeter, and obviously it was a biased vote. Derek Jeter is a Hall of Fame shortstop, and it's bogus that he wasn't unanimous, and that's the thing. When I heard about that, people to this day still say that he was one vote away from being unanimous. The guy is unanimous. You cannot, when someone is biased like that, that that's a bunch okay. of bogus. I mean, he's I mean, unanimous. technically he's not unanimous, but I, I and I I'm understand why people say that. But I mean, yeah, that's true. You vote on a guy after he's after his playing days. Like you vote on a guy as a GM who fired you. I mean, the Hall of Fame for Derek Jeter's aspect, like there are GMs and there are co- there are managers, but for Derek Jeter, it was as a player. So yes, that's true. Having that vote doesn't really make any sense, and what that vote was based off of. And now, finally, the NFL preseason. We're going to talk about what it really means for NFL guys trying to make the active roster and NFL teams in general. So, I mean, I the like the past two days, I've been tuning into ESPN because I just had a lot more free time. And yesterday, or yes, it was yesterday, they had Bart Scott on. And I don't know if our do you, I know you know who Bart Scott is, but do you know the story behind his preseason? No. Okay. So, Bart Scott was a special teamer, okay? And he, he came on ESPN and talked about one specific play he had. So, he was running down on a special teams play, and his helmet got knocked off, and his jock strap just came off, and his whole helmet flew off. Now, normally, you know, guys, like, normal, gu- normal guys, I'd say, like, guys not seeking contact would stop, right? Like, for me, I would absolutely stop and just go put my helmet on, then continue. Bart Scott continued running down the field, and then with his helmet off and still like went a hundred percent and was very, very aggressive on that play. And and they were talking about how the coaches were amazed that he gave so much so much uh of his energy to that like to a preseason game and to the point that even the announcers were saying, like, why is a guy going this hard in preseason? It doesn't really make sense. Now Bart Scott said he came on ESPN and said he was labeled as 57. It means that it's the guy that's going to get cut because it's a 53-man roster. So they labeled him as 57. That's exactly why he went hard on every single play, every single down he got in preseason because that's his only shot. Now, Bart Scott had a 10-year NFL career, Pro Bowl career, because of that. That was his foundation, how he made his spot onto the actual 53-man roster and got playing time, became a Pro Bowler. So that's what NFL preseason's about. Being that guy that sets the difference for your team, eventually you'll get onto the active roster, be a good player, and a good contributor to your team. But that's what preseason is about. There's been so many more stories like that. But Bart Scott was the first one I've, I've heard, like, as a, as a first-person source, I'll say. Yeah, so there's a great book by Victor Cruz called Out of the Blue. Yeah. And he talks a ton about it. Victor Cruz, he was not recruited by any D1 places. He went to UMass, I think. Yeah. And he ended up not getting drafted. And he was uh, he was a free agent. And he was an undrafted player. He got a tryout for the uh, New York Giants. And same exact thing with Adam Thielen. The, the guys that, uh, that became pro bowlers, Adam Thielen might go to the Hall of Fame. Maybe. Maybe. <clears throat> he might go to the That's Hall of debatable. Fame. That's debatable. And... It, you look at you look at Victor Cruz was very close to going to the Hall of Fame. He was a multiple time Pro Bowl receiver, multiple time Super Bowl champion. 
he was great. Adam Thielen, I think, debatably could make the Hall of Fame. And Victor Cruz was very close to being in the Hall of Fame. He won, a, I think, only one Super Bowl. But he was a multiple-time Pro Bowl wide receiver. At one time, he was the best wide receiver in the NFL. And he came out of UMass. He was undrafted. And he talked about, in that book, Out of the Blue, how much it meant to him every single snap in the preseason. He was very close to being cut from the team. So was um, so was Adam. Both of them did not have guaranteed spots. Both of them went undrafted. Philip Lindsay was undrafted. His first year in the NFL made the made the Pro Bowl. Yeah. Same thing. So it's just anything can happen after that draft once you get to training camp. And both of those guys t- talked about during the preseason games. They were extremely close to being cut, but as soon as they got in the game, they went one hundred and twenty percent. Because that's the only chance you have before the regular season and before cuts are made. Whenever you're in preseason, for the guys that are not assured, if you're not Patrick Mahomes, if you're not Tyreek Hill, if you're not one Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, and you're a second string, maybe third string guy for any other position than like wide receiver where they need those that many people or DBs, when you're not one of the high guys on that list, Every single moment that you get in preseason and practice matters tremendously. Do you remember Keelan Cole? Remember how he, how he was how he played on the Jaguars? Do you remember that? Yeah. Like when he was a starter, he was playing in the preseason game against the Raiders. I mean, against the Jaguars when he was on the Raiders. So it's a similar thing. Like he was in the NFL, he almost made the Pro Bowl, and he's still playing in the preseason. Yeah, and that's where you show that you're ready. Even for the guys that have already proven themselves, that's where you show that you're ready for the next season. And even on a fantasy aspect, if you want to go there, a lot of the rookies will be playing in preseason. A lot of That's the guys, true. a lot of the guys for weaker teams, wide receiver course, will be playing. For example, the Ravens, or you look at the Bears, weaker wide receiver Texans, especially with the rookies and all of those teams. That's where you guys can snag some guys for fantasy as well. But it's just a big, big place for guys that aren't the greatest on their team already, like, proven, where they can show up and prove to the team, hey, you guys need me. I'm that guy on this team. And you talked about that, like, you see guys that sometimes they play, like starters play. Um, And speaking of which, Deshaun Watson is actually going to start Saturday's game. So that's an interesting turn of events. But I, I, we haven't, obviously, he had the six-game suspension, but we haven't seen him play football for a year, organized football. I would, more than that. I'm very lo- I'm looking forward to seeing him put on a uniform and even if it's even if it's against second stringers, third stringers, maybe first stringers, um seeing him throw the football and with that starting offense because they said the starting offense is going to be out there for at least one drive. Seeing that, I'm I mean I'm definitely going to tune into the Browns game because I just want to see I want to see a starter play and, and he is a star. So I want to see him it's play. It's just excitement, not not for Deshaun Watson, for his abilities on the football exactly. field. Exactly. Off the football field, we're talking about a whole different thing. Exactly. But, but on the, on the strictly, football field. Strictly on the football if, field. If I just gave you a random guy and just said, he hasn't played in a year, and he was a top three quarterback. Quarterback. Not off the field, just football quarterback. Then it's pretty exciting to see what's going to happen yeah. a year later. Yeah. Thanks for clarifying that. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, the NFL preseason, and the games are underway. Seeing this continue until the NFL season, and I saw a stat actually, I mean a stat if you want to call it, from now until February or March, there's a football game every weekend, NFL or college. 
So that's super exciting, getting into the NFL season. And we have so much, we're bringing you guys so much NFL content. Check out our last video, actually. It's NFL Fantasy Football. It's all, It's an updated fantasy football ranking list for you guys drafting, trying to win your league. And every single week during the NFL season, we will bring you two sleepers that we think will win you your league and win you your games. So make sure to subscribe, like, and stay tuned. We're Two Brothers in the Sports. We'll see you guys next week.